Today I'm going to talk to you about, actually I'm going to just do a little session on how to hear the voice of God. Which is so cool, Debbie, because you were, you like ripped off some of the verses that I'm speaking on this morning. I was just over here smiling like, just go, Debbie, just do your thing because you're going to preach my message anyway. And you crushed it, by the way, you did great. Um, I'm going to play some music in the background while I talk because I think that uh, movies are onto something. That there's something about what it does to our soul when we have music happening in the background. And so um, this is some ambient music that uh, I've created with some friends just to help people pray and encounter God and rest. So that's my hope this morning uh, for you. Okay, let's start by talking about all the different voices. You actually were onto it this morning, Debbie, when you talked about all the different voices that speak into our lives on a regular basis. What I'm going to do this morning, we're going to cover some of those and then... We're going to do a little Q&A at the end. So if you have questions, I mean, I can't guarantee you that I'll know any answers, but um, we're going to do a Q&A at the end. Let's start by a little crowd interaction here, family interaction. What are the different voices that speak into your life and into my life on a daily basis? Okay, yourself? Yeah. So you speak to yourself. And let me ask you a quick question about this. What, what are those conversations like? Are they very positive? Do you find that you kind of are super hard on yourself and you chew yourself out and cuss yourself on a regular basis? Yeah. I was talking to a friend one time. She said um, that since she was 12 years old, she just started cursing her body. She's in her 40s now. She said, for over 30 years, I've been cursing my body. And she developed a autoimmune disease. So she was praying and asking God about that. She was saying, what's the deal? And can you please heal me? And he said, the first thing I'd like to heal is your mind. I don't know if you know this, but words and thoughts are very powerful. They're highly creative. The things that you think about yourself and the things that you say over yourself are very creative and very powerful. So God revealed to her that for the last 30 years, she's been speaking negative, cursing type of words over her body. And your words have creative power. So what happened? She believes that that autoimmune disease happened because she spent the last 30 years cussing her body. And in order for God to really bring a thorough breakthrough and a thorough healing, he wasn't just going to heal her body. He had to heal her mind. Man, I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes you just say some weird and awful and terrible things to yourself, stuff that you would never say to somebody else. And stuff, if you heard somebody saying to somebody else, you'd stop them right there in their tracks and be like, no, you do not talk to them that way, period. But you talk to yourself that way. We all have these voices that speak into our lives. One of the most profound voices that speaks into your life is your voice. It's one of the reasons why it's so important to hang out with Jesus a bunch because Jesus can help you understand what he thinks about you and then you can just agree with him. Say, instead of agreeing with yourself all the time about what you think about yourself, why don't you try agreeing with God and what he thinks about you? I guarantee you his thoughts about you are way better than yours. I guarantee you that. So anyway, okay, so we've got our voice. What other voices speak into our lives? You're doing great so far. God, yeah. Okay, now let's break that down a little bit. Because God does speak to us. There's three members of the Trinity. Did you know that the more you get 
uh, experience in hearing the voice of God, you'll be able to start discerning the difference between the Father's voice, Jesus' voice, and the Holy Spirit's voice. Can I tell you a quick story? One time I was working at this church, and uh, I had developed this really horrible attitude about working at the church. I was like, it's so political. I don't like it. So I was in a pretty bad mental state. I was driving out of the church parking lot one time. I hit this little dip as I was going out to the highway. And Jesus spoke to my heart and goes, you are so prideful. And I responded, I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I've shown you some things that are, you know, brokennesses in my family, in my church family. You took those and started spewing them out like poison to everybody you're talking to. You didn't ask me about it a second time. You're just like, that's broken, that's broken, that's broken. And now you're sitting there hurling insults and curses at my bride. He goes, let me ask you a question. How would you like it if somebody was cussing your wife? I said, oh, I would not tolerate that one bit. That would make me angry. He said, when you cuss the church, it makes me angry. He said this, how are you and I supposed to have this close relationship when you're cussing the thing I love the most? How are we supposed to be close if every time we hang out you're like, well, the church is horrible. He's like, yeah, the church is filled with people and people are nuts. You think that because we're like followers of Jesus, we have all of our stuff together? Look around the room, guys. I mean, for heaven's sakes, look in here and be honest with yourself for a second because none of us, absolutely zero people in this room, have their stuff together. Zero. So everybody's like, well, the church is so messed up. Well, of course it is. It's full of people. People are messed up. When he said that to me, I was driving out of the driveway. He said, you're so prideful. You've been cussing my woman. I don't like it, and you need to stop. What occurred to me was, that was not Father yelling at me, and it wasn't Holy Spirit yelling at me. You know who it was? It was Jesus, and why would that be? Because he refers to the church as his bride. Father doesn't, and Holy Spirit doesn't. Jesus does. I got yelled at by Jesus that day. I'm not bragging about it either, but it but it was interesting to be like, oh, he was getting up just like I would in front of me and his bride and getting up in my face and being like, not today, buddy. No, you're going to shut that down. You need to think differently. So God speaks to us, but it's crazy because the more time you spend with him, you start realizing, oh, that was Father. That was Jesus. That was Holy Spirit. Whoa. It really puts an interesting spin on the whole concept of hearing the voice of God. What other voices speak into our lives? Or could speak into our lives? Friends, okay, other people. Do you realize how much you've been impacted by other people's words? Have you noticed this too? Sometimes there's those big anchor relationships in your life. They speak a word and it goes so deep into your heart. It could be a positive word. It could be a negative word. We tend to remember the negative ones, don't we? Oh, boy. It's easy to do. In fact, it's kind of easier to do than believing the good stuff. I mean, or remembering the good stuff. 
Have you noticed that? A hundred people can tell you, man, you're awesome. One person shows up and like, you're a bonehead. And it's like, oh, I'm wounded for three years, you know. <clears throat> it's true. Not only is it important to be careful who you allow to speak into your life, sometimes people that don't mean anything to you can say something that zings you deep too. I never met you. You don't know anything about me, but what they said got you so deep. Why was that? Probably because there was a grain of truth in it. Not because it was entirely true, because it was partially true. I don't know if you know this, but one of the first conversations that you see happening in the Bible is between Satan, the serpent, and Eve. The concept that he throws out to her in the form of a question planted a seed of what I would call reasonable doubt. He he wasn't saying something nutty. It was it was a lie, it was deception, but there was part it felt like wow, that could be truthful. And that's what got Eve going, huh, maybe I should. And then Adam shows up and he's like, you're doing something? I'll do that too. It was actually Adam's deal and his decision that got us in this mess. Then when God shows up, he goes, hey, where are you guys? He finds them in a bush all covered up, freaking out. And he goes, why are you guys hiding? Well, we we saw that we were naked and we got afraid. They were exposed. They were vulnerable. So they started like sewing designer fig leaves onto their bodies, you know, like, huh, what about this? God's like, what are you doing? Well, you know, it's funny. God looked at, at Adam and said, so what's the deal, buddy? And he goes, it was her. You guys, for real, since the beginning of humanity, people have not been taking responsibility for their issues. They've been passing the responsibility or passing the buck over to somebody else. Like, no, 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 it's their problem. You should look over there. But no, part of what God's inviting all of us to do on a regular basis is to own your stuff. Just own it. Own 100% of it. You don't have to own more, by the way. Some people want to try to talk you into owning more than your 100% worth of stuff. Don't do it. You don't need to own more than the 100% of your stuff. But you do need to own 100% of it. You do. Don't pass the buck or blame it on somebody else. Do the old blame game. You don't need to. Just own your stuff. That wasn't a part of the message, but don't get me started. (laughs) Interestingly enough, let me just finish the little rabbit trail. Adam's like, it was her. God looks over. What's the deal? She goes, it was him, and points to the serpent. Everybody's passing the buck. Nobody's taking responsibility. Yeah. So back to it. Sometimes people that you don't even know will say something that just has a little bit of truth, or you think, wow, that could be true, and it takes you out. People have spoken some pretty profound things, some formative things into your life and into my life over the years. One of the things that I want to invite you to do this morning is to be careful, or maybe let me say it this way, be intentional with your tongue. Be intentional with what you say to people. 
And could we do all, could we do um, people around us, yourself, and Jesus a favor? And could you speak kindly? When was the last time you spoke kindly to yourself? When was the last time you just put your hand on your on your chest and said, "I bless you. You're gonna be okay." Yeah, you're jacked up in some ways, but you've also got some good stuff. And I honor that. When was the last time you were kind to... You know how it is when you get close to somebody? It seems like the closer you are, it feels like you have more license to be a jerk. Have you noticed this? The stuff that you say to the people closest to you? It's crazy. It's like you have license to be a jerk. You don't, for the record. Just because you're close to somebody doesn't give you a license to be a jerk. In fact, those are the people that you want to be kind to. I'm not talking about like they're doing something hurtful and you're just like, oh, I'll just be kind. No, you need to speak the truth, but you need to speak it in love. Speak the truth in love over yourself. We've got our words that speak into our lives. We've got God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've got other people's voices that speak into our lives. What else? Biblically, I'll I'll just jump in. Biblically, angels speak. I've never had, I don't think, an angel speak to me. It'd be awesome. I might pee my pants. Because apparently every time they show up, they're like, don't be afraid. That's for a reason. Because everybody's like, ah! You know? It's like showing up for a heavenly urine sample. Here you go. Angels speak. Demons speak. You may have not heard an angel speak. I can almost guarantee you, you have heard a demon speak. They're sneaky buggers, man. They will, they will sneak in there and plant some unbelievable thoughts in your head. And do it as frequently as possible. You know why? Because their job, just like you and I have jobs and roles and responsibilities in our life, their job is to steal, kill, and destroy from you. If you have ever encountered any stealing, killing, or destroying in the quality of your life, you've probably encountered some dark spirit that's trying to take you out. I know, it's not like there's a dark spirit under every corner, right? It's like there's a dark spirit under every bush. No, but there's a lot of them. And they like to mess with you. It's nothing to be fearful about. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You don't have to be afraid of dark spirits. But let me tell you, you also don't want to take them lightly. Because if you've ever known somebody that's been messed up by them, or maybe you have, I know I have, they don't play around. They are tough. So dark spirits can speak to you. What, who else do you see in the Bible speaking to people? Satan. Sometimes we're like, it was Satan that made me do it, you know? Oh, no. No, that was not the case. But you can do things to create alliances with him and his team. Good news is, you don't have to stay stuck. You can break those alliances and get free. Okay? So we have a lot of voices speaking into our lives on the daily. And the tough thing is, we got to figure out. It's, it's tough to discern. Is this God's voice? 
is this my voice? Is this someone else's voice? Is this a dark spirit? Is this an angel? Is this is Satan himself? You know, what is this? And so what I wanted to do is just give you a brief clinic on hearing the voice of God and discerning the voice of God. It's so important that we grow in this skill. In fact, it's been one of the kind of the most important and formative things in my life. I've got in, I've um, stepped into all kinds of what I would call kingdom mischief because I spent time listening to God. And so I want you to get into some kingdom mischief with me. <clears throat> Everybody good so far? Am I boring you to tears? Are we doing all right? Okay, let's dive in. We're going to go through a bunch of scriptures. So uh, if you're taking notes, write furiously. I'll throw out a bunch of verses. We'll see some up on the screen as well. The first thing about hearing God's voice that I want to point out is that it doesn't need to be complicated. It's actually not hard to hear from God. If you really want to please him, if you really want to obey him, if you just humble your heart, keep an open heart, he promises to guide you. Let me show you this verse. Proverbs 16.9. It says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. Isn't that the truth? We're always planning. But the Lord establishes their steps. Yeah, yeah, we make a ton of different plans, but God's kind of like, yeah, tell you what, um, I've got plans, and I'm going to help you walk one foot after the other. We may not arrive, by the way, at your final destination. Sometimes that throws us for a loop. Because we're like, I was expecting to go over here and God takes you over there. So sometimes you've got to process that. The point is, if you really have a heart to please God and obey Him and your heart is humble before Him, He promises to guide you. That's what this verse means. He will establish your steps. This is good. It's good news. Now there's three, if you're taking notes, there's three different simple ways that have helped me hear God's voice. Number one is to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Let me break that down really quick. <clears throat> Anybody watch MMA? Three of you? Okay, fantastic. All right. Well, MMA, mixed martial arts, all right? So a lot of times what they'll try to do is get you into a submission hold. That's where they, you know, twist your arm three times around and it's about to pop out of its socket and then you finally tap out. That's what submission is. It's you tapping out. It's you giving in. It's you, most times, not willingly giving in. There's a difference between obedience and and submission. Don't get me started now. Hmm. The difference is, obedience is like, okay, I'll do that. Submission is like, I do not want to do that. But I will do it anyway. Okay, 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 okay. Sometimes you can just be obedient. Sometimes you're in a space, because you're a human, where you need to submit to God. It's not what you want to do. And it's not like he's up there putting you in an arm bar and about ready to snap your arm off and then he's like, and then you give in. But have you ever noticed how situations in your life can strategically get you to the point where you're like, okay, God, whatever you want, I'll just do whatever. You know what I mean? Have you, am I the only one that's noticed this? <laughs> and while I don't think that necessarily that's God orchestrating all of this pain in your life, 
He's a fan of using it. It's already there. And you're a stubborn individual. And uh, so tell you what, until you submit and humble yourself, that's going to be a painful one. I'll also say that when you submit to God every time, it does not get less painful. Like that's, I want to be clear about this because that's not the motivation. Motivation to obey God or submit to God isn't to get you out of pain. Sometimes God will invite you to do something that's painful. Like for instance, forgiving somebody that really hurt you. You guys, that's not a walk in the park. It's not like, yeah, that's easy. If somebody's really wounded you deeply, that's not just easy to be like, okay, I'm submitting to God and I'm just going to be a forgiver now. You've got to process through all of that wounding and all that stuff. You, you do. You need to process through it. Step number one in learning the simple rhythm of hearing God's voice. Submit to his lordship. Now, I want to focus on this word lordship because it's not particularly popular nowadays. The word lordship, obviously the beginning of that word, lord. Lord means master, owner, and controller. In the book of John, Jesus asks a key question to a person. They said, Lord, and they asked him a question. And he, in typical Jesus fashion, asks them a question right back. He goes, let me ask you a quick question. Instead of answering your question, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? (laughs) Why are you sitting here like, oh, Lord, master, owner, controller, and then you don't do what I ask? That's weird. If you're going to continue to do that way, just don't call me Lord. Because I'm clearly not to you. Right? So when we're talking about the Lordship, we're not talking about um, male dominance. We're talking about submitting our hearts to the King of Kings. And saying, you know about life, since you're the creator of life, better than I do. And since that's the case, I'm going to submit to what you think. Whatever you want is fine with me. However you want to do it is fine with me. I will seek you in the morning. I will seek you in the evening. I'll seek you if things are going lousy. I'll seek you when things go well. I'm submitted to you. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. I heard two people say that was good. Thank you. Apparently I need all this affirmation keep asking for it. I'm not asking for it for me. I'm just making sure you're with me. Check out this verse right here. This is one that Debbie said earlier. Submit to his leadership. Ask, listen to this. This is a key. Ask God to help you silence your own thoughts and desires and opinions of others that may be filling your mind. This is so important in hearing the voice of God. Look at this verse up here. A couple of verses. 1 Corinthians, I think it is. Is that what it is? Yeah, 2 Corinthians. It says, The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, so this is 
Paul, and he's talking about something very human. It's talking about your mind and how it works. I don't know if you've noticed this. My mind is, it's quite a show internally. Like sometimes I'm like, yes, I believe in you, Lord, and I believe that you can do anything. And other times I'm like, where is he? He's never showed up to me in my whole life, ever. He's like, dude, we just had a great conversation yesterday. Now you're whacked out. The reason why is your mind is an interesting battlefield. Isn't it? It's a very interesting battlefield. So Paul gives you, can I see that second verse? Talia, thanks so much. Paul gives us a little clue, the next one. There we go. About how to deal with the mind. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Practically, what in the world does that look like? Well, if you're sitting there entertaining a thought like you're worthless, like if you're saying, I'm worthless, I'm just worthless. There's a way to take that thought captive and make it submit or obey Jesus. Any ideas how to do that? WWJD, he asks himself, what would Jesus do in this moment? Brilliant. Let's get some other feedback. Yes, good. What else? Hmm? Tell it to shut it. Yes. Okay. So, in other words, does that sound a little weird? You're having a conversation with yourself? Not really. I mean, I do it all the time. Um, you do need to take a thought captive and say, I recognize that you are not from God. And now I need to say, I do not agree with you. So if you're thinking, man, I'm a worthless piece of garbage, you need to have a conversation with that thought, as weird as it sounds, and say, you are not from God. I don't agree with you anymore. I know we've been friends and close for a long time, but today I'm severing in the name of Jesus my relationship with you. And instead, God, what would you say to me, instead of I am worthless, what would you like to replace that thought with? Now, it's not just like a one-time scenario. If you have a way of thinking, a pathway has been formed in your mind, thinking in a particular way, it probably took a while to get there. It might take you a little while to get out of it. Which means you need to be intentional about speaking the truth to yourself on a regular basis. And it's not just, I am not worthless. For years and years, you've been declaring what you are. You don't get out of something by telling it what you're not. The reason why is because you speaking what you're not over yourself, that's not an identity statement. You've been saying, I am. Well, it needs to be replaced. If you've been saying, I am worthless, it needs to be replaced with an I am. Not an I am not. Does that make sense? So you get before the Lord and you say, all right, what am I? to you. What do you think? And he'll speak. And then you just get to agree with him. And your brain might be fighting you the whole time. That's alright. It's been used to thinking in a particular way for a while. It's going to take a minute to turn it around. Good news is, you can. You can get that turned around by the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
So submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Ask Him to silence your own thoughts and desires and opinions, even the opinions of others that might be filling your mind. This is super important for hearing God's voice clearly. Even though you might have a good mind to use, right now, you don't want to hear your mind or your thoughts. You want to hear the thoughts of the Lord who has the best mind. Let's take a look at this next verse. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yikes. Very difficult to do. And lean not on your own understanding. Next verse. In all your ways, submit, uh uh-oh, submit to Him. And He will make your paths straight. When we submit to God, He clarifies our path. In other words, we're talking about how to hear from God, how to be led by God in life. There's a key, there's a connection between submitting to God and getting led by God. Does that make sense? The second thing I want to talk to you about is you submit to the Lordship of Jesus, but then you resist the enemy in case he's trying to deceive you at the moment, which he's famous for doing. Use the authority that Jesus has given you to silence the voice of the enemy. I want to show you this verse, James chapter 4, verse 7. But he gives us more grace. So thankful for that. That's why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives favor or grace to the humble. Next verse. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay. um, If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. You don't get the junior version of the Holy Spirit and other people get like the grown-up, mature, senior version of the Holy Spirit. We all get the same Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not a, um, a being that is easy to put in a box. Holy Spirit is wild. At times, unpredictable always in alignment with the heart of the Father, always leading us to the feet of Jesus, always kind of showing up. I don't know if you've had this, but like when you're about to do something stupid and you get that little, and he's like, don't do it. It's not going to turn out good. Don't do it. So he helps you like become more aware of stuff that keeps us from God. The Bible calls that sin. When you're about to do something that puts distance or separation between you and God, he shows up and he's like, don't do it. Why? Because he wants wants you to keep the rules? No, because sin creates distance. And he wants to be close. So of course, if he wants to be close to you, just like any good friend would, he'd show up and be like, dude, don't do it, bro. Don't do it. Because what you're about to do is going to create distance between you and me. And I like being close to you. So just please don't do it. Does that make sense? It's better when, he, when you approach this whole Jesus thing from a relational aspect rather than from a rules, morality, follow the adherence of the laws and whatnot. And I'm not saying that there's no rules either. I'm just saying in any relationship there's rules. Like When I married my wife, 
I promise to be a one-woman man. Not like a 17-woman man. There's a rules relationship. And we didn't need to talk about those rules. They're kind of understood. You know what I'm saying? There's rules to relationships. I'm not saying there's no rules to follow. What I'm saying is when the heart is relational and not transactional, you can really enjoy a good friendship with Jesus. It's awesome. Instead of just trying to adhere to all the rules and all that jazz. Let me show you another bunch of verses. This is the idea of resisting the enemy. Use the authority that Jesus has given you to silence the voice of the enemy. Check this out. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You guys, this is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's like, let me just tell you for a second about the spiritual realities of the life that you're living. You know, living in America today, we're pretty horizontal. I mean, we're like, dude, I just got to get that job. I got to get that money. I got to get that breakthrough. I got to get that healing, whatever. And, and you're pretty much like staying like this. It's pretty horizontal. When Paul is like directing your attention somewhere else, he's going, dude, your car and your bling and your job and your retirement account and blah, blah, blah. That's not the only thing going on here. There are, can I see that verse again? Talia, thanks. And by the way, can we just thank this awesome media team and Talia and everybody for, thank, for doing such a great job. Paul's like, guys, our struggle isn't against people. This would be handy to know if you're particularly passionate about politics. Your fight isn't against people. Huh. But it is against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Interesting. In other words, maybe something more real than the chair you're sitting on is the spiritual realm. It's governing everything, apparently. Next verse. Everybody still good? Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So cool. Oh. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert 
and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Beautiful. So he's like, yes, there is a bunch of armor that you can put on, spiritual stuff that will help you resist the enemy and he will flee from you. What are those things? It's truth around your waist. This is a whole sermon. I won't go into it, but don't get me started. (laughs) A breastplate of righteousness. A helmet of salvation. A sword of the Spirit. A shield of faith. Those are all big things. You know what? The next thing... Oh, the shoes. The preparation of the gospel of peace. Amazing stuff. Listen. The other weapon is praying in the Spirit. You want to resist the enemy? Use the Word of God and pray in the Spirit. Get your shield out too. That's handy. Might want to strap that breastplate of righteousness on. Oh, I could do a whole ser- bunch of sermons about this stuff. Ooh, I just got to keep moving them. Keep moving. I've talked about two things so far. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Resist the enemy. Number three, good news, you can expect an answer when you're talking with God. After asking him the question on your mind, wait for him to answer. Okay, I can't tell you how important this little nugget is. There's been so many times where I'll be hanging out with Jesus, I'll sense him saying something to me, and I'm like, sweet, I get so excited that I heard from God in the first place. I'm out the door doing whatever he told me, and he's like in mid-sentence like... I only told you like half the thing. Or I told you what to do. I just didn't tell you why or when. So you're out there doing the the right thing at the wrong time with the wrong people. little handy nugget there. You want to like hold on to that one. You can expect Him to answer you. He is your loving Heavenly Father. His goal in life is not to withhold good things from you. He's the Father of lights from which all good things flow. He wants to pour out good stuff to you. Now, our definition of good isn't always in alignment with His definition of good. Sometimes the good things that He invites us to do are hard and they hurt. Yeah. Part of the game, part of of life, part of the story. You can expect an answer from God. Let's take a look at a couple verses. John chapter 10. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know then them and they follow me. Can you keep that verse up, Talia? Because that's so good. Listen, if you're wondering, I don't know if I've ever heard from God. It's legit to say that. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you've at least heard him once. When he said, follow me, And you heard that and you're like, I'm giving my life to God. You heard from his voice at least once. And that doesn't have to be like the total summation of your life. You can hear from him every day. Every day. My sheep listen to my voice. All right. So we're going to get into a little prayer 101 really quick. How many of us do this whole talk at God thing? And not a lot of listening. Classic Dave Powers right here. I'm like, Lord, I got 900 things to talk to you about. All right, I feel better. Bye. And I'm out the door. And he doesn't, like he doesn't even have a chance to get a word in edgewise. Have you ever talked to somebody like this? 
Or they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And you're just like, oh. Like you just want to squeeze your face into a little ball. Like, oh, I'm just trying so hard to stay present in this moment. Because you haven't even taken a breath in the last 30 years. You know, you just keep talking and talking and talking. You know, our Creator would love to have a dialogue back and forth. Not a monologue. Like, our time to hear, here together today, this has largely been a monologue. I'm mostly talking and you're agreeing or disagreeing or taking notes or whatever, playing, you know, video games or whatever on your phone. Whatever you're doing. But, but this has mostly been a monologue. Not entirely. But this is kind of like how we interact with God. Super one-sided. I heard one person say, he gave you two ears and one mouth so you could listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> I was like, that's actually kind of genius. I, I still am working on practicing listening more than I talk. Let me tell you, man. God will save you so much brain damage and heartache if you just listen to Him. Just listen to Him. He'll help you so much. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This whole us and Jesus thing, it's about us following Him. Well, if you want to know where to go, you're going to kind of have to hang out with Him. And listen to whatever he's saying. That, that makes sense, right? That's pretty pretty straightforward. Pretty sound logic, I think. Let me show you one more verse. Exodus 33:11. Look at this little beauty. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. Listen to this. But his young aide. Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave the tent. I like Joshua. Moses is in there doing the thing, talking to God, face to face, might I add, like a person talks to a friend. Joshua's just hanging close, not wanting to leave. Yeah, he could have gone back. He was Moses' aide, so he could have walked him back to the tent, make sure everything's good. Joshua's a guy of the presence. It's like all he wanted was the presence of God. He wanted to hear God's voice. And listen to this. In Joshua chapter 1, <clears throat> Moses had just died, and Joshua was the next guy in charge. Could you imagine being the follow-up leader to Moses, for heaven's sakes? Moses, of all people. He's kind of a big deal. I don't know if you guys know that. A phenomenal leader. Did not make all the right decisions as a leader. Phenomenal leader, though. Let me take a brief aside to say, the people that are the leaders in your life, they're not always going to make phenomenal decisions. Could you please just stick with them? And for heaven's sakes, if you're aggravated with any of the leaders in your life, please pray for them. You don't need a new leader. Just pray for the one you got. <laughs> Can I see that verse again? Tell you. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face 
as one speaks to a friend. If it happened once, it can happen again, guys. Jesus would love to be your friend. He would love that. By the way, if you've ever spent time hanging out with him, he's awesome. He's unbelievable. He knows exactly what you're thinking, what you're feeling, how you're processing information. He actually believes better things about you than you do. He's a good friend. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is looking for friends. Are you interested in developing a friendship with him? That'd be awesome. Most people that I'm that I meet that are like, Jesus is stupid. I'm like, you've clearly never met him. He's awesome. Like, if you ever met him, you would know. You would know, like, that guy is awesome. He is. Most people just kind of, they'll approach him through a religious lens instead of a relational lens. And so they're like, well, I just didn't like following all those rules and being, you know, moralistic or whatever. It's like, well, you missed the total boat. You you never met him. If you ever met that guy, he is unbelievable. He is so awesome. There's about 9,000 other things that I want to say to you, but we're pushing the time. So just as a brief recap, and then I'd like to do a Q&A. Submit to the Lord, to His leadership. Ask Him to silence your thoughts, your desires, your opinions, maybe even the opinions or desires of others when you're asking God for guidance that might be filling your mind. Take those thoughts captive. Yeah, He's given you a good mind to use, but right now you're not wanting to hear from your mind. You're wanting to hear from the best mind which is the mind of God. He promises to lead you. Now, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Humility is a huge key there. Submission is a huge key there. And then you can expect an answer. After asking the question that's on your mind, wait for him to answer. You can expect your loving Heavenly Father to speak to you. All right, everybody, you wonderful bunch of people. Uh, Let's do a little Q&A. What questions do you have? I've heard some really great teachers say, there's really not dumb questions. I, I actually resonate with that. Any question is cool. I can't guarantee that I'll know the answer. But man, me prioritizing hearing the voice of God in my life has been a huge, huge part of my relationship with God. What's that? Bruce Almighty, yes. Yeah. The question is, have I ever watched the movie Bruce Almighty? Hilarious. Hilarious movie. Someone else. I'll seed um, a question out there. One of the questions that I get a lot about hearing the voice of God is, is there something that I can do to increase my ability to discern the difference between God's voice and my voice or anybody else's. So I'll I'll answer that. I've noticed for me that the more time I spend with Jesus in the Word, in the Bible, 
chewing on it, meditating on it, rolling around, the more time I spend with him there, the easier it is to discern between his voice and mine or anybody else's. And why would that be? Well, because he's not going to say something to you that's out of alignment with his word, with the Bible. He's going to say something right in alignment with it. So if you hang out a bunch there, you'll be able to discern, aha, that was God. That's totally something he would say. Or that was wacky and not something that he would say. Does that make sense? And let me answer it a second time. If I called you on the phone, well, like, what's your name? James. Hey, James. So, James, if I called you from a number you didn't know, and I was like, what's up, dude? Right now, after church. You'd be like, hey, man, who are you? I'd be like, it's me. And you're like, uh-huh. This is weird, so why don't you go ahead and tell me who you are? It's Dave. I know like 13 Daves. <laughs> Which Dave? Dave Powers. Oh, the guy from, oh, you're the guy from, oh, hey, man, how you doing? Thanks for calling me. We haven't talked on the phone very much, so you're not used to my voice. If I called you 13 times a day for three months, what's up, dude? Three months later, hey, Dave, he said, what's up, bro? Hey, Dave. 100% true. Because of the frequency that you're hearing my voice, I could call you from a number you don't know. Say, what's up, James? And you say, what's up, Dave? We know voices that we spend time with. Super simple, elementary type of an answer. If you want to discern the voice of God, hang out with them a bunch. The more you hang with them, the more you'll be like, ah, that's him. Or... That is clearly not him. Does that make sense? Is this helping you? All right. Any other questions, thoughts, comments, concerns? Are you worried about me spitting out any heresy this morning? Are you um, anything weird or wacky or anything that you'd like to ask? My favorite part, because you look around the room and everybody's like, oh, geez, please don't look at me. Oh, Christine has a question. Wonderful. Kim pointed at you. I'm writing her up. Rascal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. So the question was, Um, in your opinion or experience, is it better to meet with God in the morning or at night? Or do you just kind of default to, hey, I'm better at night, so I want to give him the best time of my day where I'm most alert and most aware? Um, Great question, first of all, Christine. And second of all, I would, in my experience, like I'm not a morning guy. Hanging out with him in the morning is like him sitting there watching me sleep. Like, I don't know if you remember those old Mervyn's commercials when they talk about the sales and be like, open, 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 open. You get it. I get that feeling with him and me in the morning. Like, just open, open, open your eyes or something. Show me that you're alive. I'm just, you know, out of my mind. Um, I do good in the afternoons. I do great in the evenings. And so my thought is I'd like to give him the best part 
of my day and my attention rather than giving him the leftovers. Um, and so that's what I try to do. Hopefully that's helpful. Any other thoughts, questions, concerns, practical things? That's a good practical question. Coolest lesson that I've learned in hearing God's voice or just in general? In, in general? <laughs> My brain's going to explode. Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you one of the best lessons I've ever learned about listening to God's voice. And it was to not listen alone. I guess I was just trained by people that would frequently listen alone. They would go up to the mountain, get the word of the Lord for the people of God, that type of concept. Very Moses-y, actually. Just kind of cruise up there, solo, come down, do the, do the word. That's kind of how I was trained. Boy, did that get me into some trouble. You know why? Because I didn't get, like, confirmation that God was saying these things. I was just up there, very focused. Sometimes I heard right. Sometimes, you guys... I heard so epically wrong. And I thought it was him. Totally could have been pacified and so much brain damage I could have sidestepped if I just would not have listened alone. Now, here's the deal. I don't ask God, well, I don't ask people to hear God for me. I invite them to hear God with me. Huge difference. I'm not passing my responsibility over to somebody else to hear their to hear God's voice for my life. God wants to speak to me. He wants to speak to you about your life. But boy, is it helpful to get kind of like the judicial system currently, two or three witnesses. When you get other people in on it, and don't just say, hey, listen to God for me, but hey, listen with me. See if I'm hearing what you're hearing. The challenge there is if you get really passionate about like hearing one particular thing and the other people are hearing something different, the tough thing is to submit to God. Mutually submit to each other. You know, those people, if they're solid, they'll say, look, this is what I'm hearing. Ask God to confirm it to you, man. I don't know. It's just what I'm hearing. They won't be like, dude, this is what I'm hearing and you have to do it or else. Those wouldn't be good people to listen with. Mutual submission. So anyway, when I stopped listening alone, my life got so much better. Not like I never stepped into brain damage, because I did. But it was a lot less frequent. And truthfully, a lot less painful. Because at least if you all hear wrong, at least you can walk together and not walk alone. I did a fair amount of walking alone in hard seasons. It's horrible. Highly advise against it. <laughs> it's not fun. Good. One last question, or can I have Mark bless you? Ah, Hawk said, how do you quiet your own mind? That's a great question. There are actually some beautiful spiritual practices that you can employ to quiet your mind. First thing, is you know how like you get quiet and something pops up and you're like no the no approach isn't necessarily the best approach because I don't know if you notice this but when you resist against something it usually grows in strength 
And it's like, answer me, answer me, answer me, answer me. Now, now, now. It's like going after you. So it grows and grows in strength and magnetism. So what you do is you just acknowledge it. Instead of saying no, you say, I see you. Almost like if you're sitting on the bank of a river and you see something floating down the river. It's all pretty peaceful, but you notice something's floating down. You just go, hey, there's a boat. I acknowledge you. And now I'm looking back at you, Lord. So it's it's interesting. Instead of just being like, no, no, no. Or instead of feeling shame like, I can't even focus for five minutes in the presence of God. I'm such an idiot. Just to go, I see you, thought. I see you, to-do list. God, if it's something important for me to remember, bring it up to me later. I'll trust you to do that. A second way to quiet your mind is actually the Eastern form of meditation is uh, emptying of the mind. The biblical form of meditation is a filling of the mind to overflow. Two totally different concepts. One is like trying to get everything out. And one is intentionally pouring in so that whatever was in there can overflow. So I'll give it to you this way. And this might be just slightly crass. Oh, maybe I could do a non-crass version. Yes. Yes, I could do that. Let's say you got a... This is for once. I can do something non-crass. This is amazing. Let's say you got a five-gallon bucket and you've got one uh, cup of red Kool-Aid. You pour it in there. You put a little bit of water in, it gets more red. Red, 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 red. You fill that thing, keep the hose in there for 30 minutes. That red is going to pull up to the top, and then it's going to run out, run out, run out, run out. After 30 minutes, what are you going to get? Clear water. It's not going to be red anymore. So the idea of biblical meditation isn't clearing the mind. It's filling the mind with the word. So what I do is I just sit there and chew on a verse over and over and say, Lord, what do you think about that? And then sometimes he'll bring up another verse that's connected to that verse. And I'll go check that out. And I'll just sit there and think. And then new thoughts and new things and new insights occur to me. And all of a sudden, my little Kool-Aid bucket is running clear. Does that make sense? It's great, guys. Hey, thanks so much for your attention this morning. You people really are wonderful. I really do love you. And thanks so much for hanging in there with me and tolerating my weirdness and whatnot and what have you and so on and so forth.